Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. Today's guest is Emma Morris, who is joining me from Brisbane, and I'm so excited to be chatting to her today because I've been following along on her journey and seeing all of the amazing things she's doing in the industry. So I'm excited to bring that to all of you listening today. She is my first interstate guest, so please bear with us in terms of audio quality. I'm sure it will all be fine, but just as a side note to keep in mind. Um, So Emma is currently a clinical nutritionist working at the JCN Clinic and she works there four days a week and I'm very excited to dive into what that looks like and how she's grown into that position. So thank you so much for joining me today, Emma. No worries. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, To get started, let's talk a little bit about how you got into the nutrition industry and where it all began for you. Right. Well, for me, it began quite a while ago. Um, I think it, for a lot of us, it did. Be, it actually began quite a while ago, um, you know, as we all build into finding what we love. Um, for me, though, it was about, it's been about a 10-year journey um, to get to where I am today. And I think I've always loved health. So that was kind of something that I grew up with. Um, I was always really active. I did swimming a lot. So I think that's where my love of being active and like eating well, like I wasn't, I didn't always eat really, really well, but definitely having fuel for my body in the right amounts was a big component of growing up for me. Mm-hmm. And I actually started studying psychology first um, because I have a huge interest in mental health. And that stemmed from my own mental health and even the the fact that the brain, I realised as I grew up and as I went through my swimming, my little swimming career, which ended at the ripe old, old age of 16, um, that my the way that I thought really impacted the way that I raced and performed. Yeah. So I got really interested in the way that the mind can control the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when I was so nervous for a swimming race, I would even vomit from nerves. And that just... Like it just made me wonder with curiosity, what is going on here? And, you know, how can I learn more about it? So it always intrigued me. So I ended up studying psychology first. Um, I did my four-year degree doing that. Um, and then I, and I wrote a thesis, like I did the whole research bit. Um, and I loved, I loved psychology. Mm-hmm. I then graduated and I needed a break from study because I went straight from high school into my four-year degree. And I just felt after that, that I just couldn't keep studying to be a clinical psychologist because you needed to do two more years. Yeah. So I ended up doing, um, working kind of in the, in the industry, but doing more, um, like psych, not, not, clinical psychology but doing more um doing surveys and doing more research-based stuff I guess yeah I did that for a couple of years did that full-time but realized I didn't really like it um it wasn't really where my passion was and I guess I figured out over the years with my personality like I need to absolutely love what I do Mm -hmm. and be really engaged with what I do like I can't just sit there and do something that bores me to death every day because I just do not feel like I'm living. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel horrible. And I felt horrible um, doing that 
back, you know, probably eight years ago now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I decided, okay, I'm not going to do this. It's, it's taught me a lot about full-time work and, but I'm going to go and study PT. So I did PT. I did my PT certs. So I was always obviously had that background in health and fitness. Um, so I did that. I then established my own business as a PT. Um, so that that was fun. It was it was great, and I I got um, quite busy quite quickly as soon as I graduated doing that. So I did that for a good few years, and I was I was busy and I was loving it. But I also was I loved working one on one with people with clients and helping them you know with their health and um, getting them physically really fit. Um, but then there was also that element that was missing, which was the whole nutritional component. Mm-hmm. So I would get really frustrated mainly with the client, not with the clients, but I would get frustrated because I like to help people when someone couldn't lose the weight that they wanted to, or they just, or they were just not, yeah, they just weren't happy regardless of the way that they were moving or the, the amount that they were moving their body physically. So I decided to look into nutrition and it was kind of like I just decided to look into it and I found Endeavour, which is where I studied. And str- like almost overnight, I just, my gut feeling was just like, yeah, this is so right. So I, I just enrolled um, and I was, I knew I didn't want to go with like a university degree. I went more with the, with Endeavour because I knew it was a more holistic approach. And I, that was just, it sat so right with me. Mm-hmm. So I did, did that and absolutely loved the degree. Like I did it full time and it was full on, but I worked doing doing PT at the same time. And yeah. yeah, it just, it made my heart sing. Like it just, I loved it so much. I was the biggest nerd. I sat at the front of the class. I asked the questions. Like my husband at, um, now used to just, you know, pay me out for being such a nerd and, <laughs> and loving it so much, but I didn't even care. So that's like, I guess, my journey of how I, you know, became a nutritionist or how I um, entered into the degree in the first place. Yeah. Wow. I love that evolution and the natural progression. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find that when you were studying nutrition, the PT sort of benefited and like fed off each other? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I found actually when I, I think that's why part of the reason why I work so well one-on-one with people that's because I had all this experience previously with PT. Yeah, It's very, very similar in that you're meeting, you know, I, I can build rapport with a client really quickly and I can, I feel like I can, um, I can, I guess I can figure out the personality behind the person quite quickly and what's going to work for them and what's not going to work for them. Mm-hmm. And that's because I'd, I'd kind of developed those skills and those interpersonal skills along the way, especially the five years I did as a PT. Yeah. So to me, when I got to clinic and when I got to, you know, working one-on-one with people and talking about their problems, like really, you know, deep personal problems, mm. it was it was almost easy for me uh, in the in the respect of yeah, I was quite used to it and I was comfortable in that environment. And yeah, I just, I loved it. So it definitely benefited, um, especially when it got to that. But of course, there was a mutual benefit there with, you know, when I was doing PT and still, you know, still seeing my clients and I was running boot camps, like I became more and more invested in their nutrition as well. And so I'd obviously really help them a lot more with that as we went along. And the more I learned about, you know, just holistic health and and every part of, um, you know, from what we eat to how we speak to ourselves to how our bodies move, like that was a really big um, thing that I took into my business as a PT. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Oh, 
that's fantastic. And do you find now that your um, degree in psychology is really beneficial? I know you're particularly interested in mental health, so it's really cool to see how you've linked those together. How do you find having that background as well? Yeah, I do find it beneficial. I, it's funny that it's it's kind of come up, you know, full circle now that I'm I'm really linking. Like I'm not a psychologist because I haven't done the clinical training. I'd need to do another, a master's um, in psychology to be a psychologist. However, I do have that four years of undergrad work um, under me. So I do have a really good understanding of psychology. And so I definitely draw on those, um, some of those theories and some of that material yeah. um, in my day-to-day now. So, yeah, I really do think that it, it um, is benefiting my current clientele and what I do. And it's funny, I never thought that, I never, like 10 years ago, I never thought that I would be here doing this and using my psych degree in such a different way to what I thought originally I would use it for. Yeah, it's quite cool. It's awesome how you've got that real good balance of the mind, movement and food. It's like the perfect package. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's yeah, that is really kind of just that is my whole philosophy to health. Yeah. It's balanced. Right? Yeah. Like and but I really think that you can't just look at food and have a lot going on mentally, you know, mm. like you need to balance your food, balance your mental health and your thoughts and the way that you talk to yourself internally and also balance movement, you know, because movement yeah. is so, so important for health as well. So I think those three things, they're almost like foundational pillars yeah. that you have to address and you can't have two without the other. Like you have to yeah. have a handle on all three to be truly healthy, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. So how long ago did you graduate from your nutrition degree at Endeavour? So I graduated in 2017. Yep. Awesome. So this is my third year out. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened when you graduated? How did you go about finding the job you have now? Did you have anything in between or was it straight into this? Well, I think I was a, I think my PT played a really, really um, huge role in this. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of knew that I wanted to do uh, clinical nutrition and be a practitioner yep. from the get-go. And well, when I say from the get-go, go, mainly when I got into clinic at um, at Endeavour, I knew that I loved it and I knew that it was what I wanted to do, at least part of that, you know, part, at least, you know, seeing clients um, was going to be part of what I was to do as a nutritionist. Yep. So I guess that, that's, a, that's a big thing because I know that a lot of, um, people studying nutrition, they don't know if they want to be, they don't know what they want to do, right? So yeah. I knew that I wanted to do clinical practice, which was great just because it sat so right with me and my gut instinct told me it was the right thing to do and it energised me. Like I love seeing clients one-on-one. So I think I knew that and I knew that in my final year when I was doing a lot of my clinical, you know, um, experience in the student clinic at Endeavour, I I basically tried to build up everything I could. So my social media, I tried to kind of build that that up as much as I could so that I could um, really basically springboard straight into a career as soon as I could yeah. um, post-graduation. So I'd all, like, I think I'd already locked down a room that I could rent um, from like a, a multimodal kind of health facility before I'd even graduated. Wow. I, I was still in clinic, yeah. in the student clinic. And that's because I knew, like, I just, I would, or I'd already locked that in. I knew that I wanted to move quite quickly. Like as soon as I got all my registration done and got my insurance and all of that, 
yeah I was pretty much set up like I um I knew how I wanted to kind of run my sessions I knew what, what I wanted to charge like I'd already kind of thought of it I guess in that especially that last semester yeah um that that whole you know what was I going to do that was just something that I was always thinking about so it was really um yeah it was really go 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 as soon as I graduated and I was just chomping at the bit to get out there and start clinical practice yeah um and then so what happened was I got I started renting a room um, at City Cave which is a it's like a, a wellness kind of facility that they do infrared sauna and flotation tanks but they also have a team of practitioners yeah um so I I had an interview to be part of their team of practitioners but it was like a subcontract role so basically it was like a room rental type of scenario and I just started as soon as I kind of got that role um I started practicing I think it was just one or two days a week so I was still doing PT which I think was a really like obviously it wasn't it wasn't that I just stopped PT all of a sudden and just started practicing because you do have to build up your clientele so there was definitely that crossover period there Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel that PT was a great kind of work um, environment and work thing to have going on whilst I did that because I could really control my hours and also the pay was quite good for the hours that I worked you know if, if that makes sense Mm-hmm. Um, so I still did my PT. I just started gradually, um, yeah, working one or two days in the clinic and yeah, just started growing my clientele. And I guess as well, like a lot of my PT clients would come and see me as a nutritionist, That's so handy. um, you know, especially if they had, you know, more chronic health issues, more digestive issues or hormonal imbalances, the stuff that I couldn't just talk to them in a PT session about, you know, like it was so much more than just, oh yeah, just eat a balanced, healthy diet. It was like, okay, what do we need to do here? Do we need to do testing? Do we need to do further things? Um, So yeah, that's how it started. And then before long, within a few months, I um, got an interview at the JCN clinic because they were looking for another nutritionist. So then I had that, I got that job and yeah, the rest is history. I've been I've been here ever since. Oh, that's so fantastic. Did you go straight into four days at the JCN clinic like you're doing now? No. Missed. No. So I've definitely built that up. And I think yeah. that that's a really big thing to take into consideration. Anyone who does want to be a practitioner, yeah. it is it is hard work. It's yeah. definitely hard work. And it's you you have to really love what you do. Um, but if you do and you have that passion, um it's absolutely worth it. So in terms of it's it's like anything, you have to build the, it's like growing an Instagram account, you know, like yeah. growing the followers or whatever. It takes time. You can't just, you know, blink overnight and you have, your, your books are full. Yeah. So I think, I think with the JCN clinic, I was still practicing at City Cave one or two days a week. And then I started practicing just one day mm-hmm. at the clinic, at the JCN clinic. So I was just doing Mondays, um, and then as soon as my Monday filled up, I then opened Tuesday. So yeah. that's how it pretty, it worked pretty much. So as soon as I kind of filled up my, mainly filled up my, my days that I had, then I would add another day. Yeah. Um, and then it got to the point where I was doing, I think it was like three days at the JCN clinic and then one, or I think it was two days then at, at City Cave. So I was pretty much working five days, Yeah. Wow. which for me, I've realized and it took me, I knew that it was going to, it was going to be like this, but I realized that that was a little bit too much, um, just with face-to-face consultations and I was getting quite busy. So I was like, right, well, I've got to, I wanted to say goodbye to my city cave position. And that was, Mm -hmm. um, so that was, it was such a good opportunity and I really, really enjoyed working there, but I knew that I loved working at the JCN clinic Mm -hmm. purely because of that 
connection with other nutritionists and the fact that I came into work every day and I had Jess Cox and I had Carissa and I had a few of the other girls to bounce ideas off and to bounce um, difficult, you know, case studies off and to just learn really. I learned so much just being surrounded by those, those women. So Mm -hmm. it was one of the best things I did. Incredible. And in terms of building up your client base, does it help working in one of these clinics? Like do they sort of refer people to you or is it all your own clients? It it does definitely help being part of a clinic. Yep. Um, I guess in terms of, I don't know the exact breakdown of, I guess, what would be my clients that I bring in um, yep. versus what I get just as being a practitioner at the JCN clinic. Yep. I know that obviously a lot of our clientele actually from our, from the JCN clinic comes from um, probably our two main sources are social media, yep. which is just phenomenal. Um, and the other one would be just referrals. Amazing. So, you know, referrals and word of mouth. Um, and I do, I do work with both with a lot of different practitioners. So, you know, acupuncturists and naturopaths and other, other health practitioners um, who, and physios even who refer back to me yeah. um, and vice versa, I refer to them, but then also there's a lot of clients, there's some clients that I think have referred me their entire family and friends, you know, <laughs> wow. like there's that part of it as well. Yeah. So I guess it's hard to tell, you know, what, what, what's what, but I definitely mm-hmm. find that Personally, I do get a lot of inquiries um, via email and via Instagram is a big one as well. So I know that that's a huge part of it. So I guess it's a bit of both. Um, Jess Cox has a huge following on social media. So I think that she's always posting about different things. So I guess there's, there's that part of it as well. Clients come in just wanting to see any nutritionist and sometimes they just get paired with me and then other times people are following me on Instagram and they want to specifically see me. So yeah, it's a bit of a bit of both. Yeah, amazing. And so have you found that relationship you have with other practitioners beneficial? And is that something you recommend to other people in the industry who do want to go down the clinical nutrition path? Yeah, absolutely. I think that I'm a big believer. I guess it kind of aligns with my philosophy thinking about health, right? It's it's so holistic. And as a nutritionist, even though I have a huge um, interest in mental health. Yeah. I will still often refer to a psychologist. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I think as a practitioner, you can't be selfish yeah. in that you can't claim a client as your property. Like I think that's really, and some, I do see it happen sometimes, um, but that client needs a team and they need, especially for those that have more chronic conditions, they need a team of health professionals. So they've got their nutrition expert, which would be someone like me, but then they have, you know, their acupuncturist and then they might have their massage therapist. They might have their GP. They might have their, you know, other medical health practitioner. Um, and I think that it's important to have all of these people come together and work as a team and do their own bit because no one practitioner is going to have all of the answers. And that's, that's a a blessing as well, because no human can be that great (laughs) and have all of those qualities. Um, you know, so yeah, I really, really do believe that the power of referral is Mm -hmm. huge. And we all in this clinic, we we all refer on when we need to. Um, and yeah, we're big believers of, of sharing is caring. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. I think that's really important and I'm glad you mentioned that. And yeah, then I yeah, I'm I have such a strong opinion about it because I've just seen I've seen the impact of um what a you know, having a health team 
can do, you know, to support yeah. someone in every aspect of their health journey versus just having one one practitioner or one doctor. Um, there's so much less that they that person will get from from their health outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. So you also mentioned you get clients from social media. Do you have any tips to anyone in terms of how you can grow a following and how you can start to get people actually converting to clients from your socials? Yeah, sure. So I think that firstly, it's never too late to start social media, social media following. I think that um, a lot of people, like I, I remember even at Endeavor, I already had a bit of a following and I mean, I think I have about 8,000 followers at the moment, but I had a few thousand when I was studying and that was purely from PT, right? So I was already had a bit of a fitness account mm-hmm. and people would get so disheartened because they were like, I don't even have a social media, like I don't even have an Instagram. I feel so like it's going to take me so long. But I think the best advice is to just start. Like mm-hmm. I think it is such a great tool at the moment. So mm-hmm. like Instagram is such a great tool to bring in clients. And so firstly, just start. Secondly, don't don't compare yourself with anyone else. Secondly, be really consistent um, in in posting. Oh, sorry, that's my computer. Um, Be really consistent with posting and post about what you like to post about. Um, You know, don't try and be an expert in everything. Post about what interests you. And if you're a practitioner, post about the things that you are really passionate about and and passionate about helping in the clinic. Um, so for me, I post a lot about a, a heap of different things. Um, it's not all about education, but certainly an element of that of my feed is education. And for me, that's mental health, digestion um, and eating real food. Yeah. So that's a huge part of like what makes up my feed, but it's being consistent and knowing that not every post has to be an essay. Some of them will be educational and be really, um, I guess, showing others that you know your you know your stuff, um, yeah. and you know, showing others that showing a potential client that you can help them because mm-hmm. you do know what you're talking about. But also showing them that you're human as well. I think is yeah. really important too, which is why I kind of have a, a pretty relaxed, um, uh, yeah, relaxed state with social media. Like I. I have been known to get on my stories and swear yeah. <laughs> and you know, because that's me and I'm not going to not be me. Of course, I, I will maintain some professionalism, but <laughs> at the same time, I'm a person and I find that the more open I am um, and the more personable I am, the more it attracts people. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important as well. It's it's just being yourself and, yeah, being yourself and being able to to really just highlight what you're passionate about and the passion will always come through as well. A lot of people tell that to me. They say, I can tell how passionate you are about mental health because I will not stop talking about it. And I think (laughs) I believe in what I'm doing so, so much that, yeah, no no one can shut me up. (laughs) Yeah, that's incredible. And it's all about that authenticity because people can see through it when we're not being our true authentic selves. So I think that's really important. Absolutely. And I think with, with social media, like part of it, of course, you know, you do, you do get those conversions from people who just follow you to clients and it's not about being salesy though. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not, that's not it. Like you don't come, I don't come from that, from that at all. Because if I think about being salesy, I just freeze. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not about that. It's more about helping people um, and, yeah I come from that aspect and not trying to fill my books as much as I can and just it's all about the numbers because it's not about that at all it's more about how can I actually help these people in a way that will really benefit them and help to change their life yeah 
Oh, that's so brilliant. Um, and sort of on that note, you focus more on mental health and digestion and those sorts of things. Do you obviously you deal with other things as well? But do you find that having that sort of niche has helped you? Like, have you always focused more on those, or have you sort of evolved into that? I guess I have evolved into that. Yeah. Um, although mental health is always like, even with that background in psychology, it's something that I've always been really passionate about. Yeah. So, and through my own journey, just personally, I've, I've experienced a lot in that area too. So mm-hmm. I guess it has evolved to, to where I am now, but also um, being a part of the JCN clinic, like we're known for treating really quite complex digestive issues and gut issues. And that's yeah. because of Jess Cox. Like she is an absolute champion in that, in that field. And I think she's one of the best nutritionists probably in Australia to deal with gut health. And so I've had a lot of mentoring from her and also the other girls in the clinic. And so that also, that became part of a large part of my treatment just by being part of the JCN clinic, because we do attract a lot of gut um, and chronic gut cases, I guess. Yeah. So that was, that was that, but then also my fascination with gut and mental health has been strengthened over time too. And even being a practitioner over the last few years, what I've seen just, just, you know, clinically has been, has blown my mind away about the changes that can happen when you support a client in, in changing whatever it is they need to change, whether it be diet or finding a really, really root cause issue of mental health concerns. Like it can be so, so rewarding. So yeah, obviously those two things are my big things, but I also Mm -hmm. treating those things it's it's so holistic right like you can't just look at those two areas of the body there are always going to be other areas so often hormonal imbalance comes into it yeah and I love treating that as well Mm -hmm. um and and all of the other things you know just having a macro balanced plate and having enough you know having enough nutrient intake and making sure nutritional deficiencies aren't there you know handling stress like all of those things um are really and even thyroid issues like autoimmune conditions like it all you treat it all and you have to be able to kind of wade through what is you know wade through what is going on and and pick apart a person's case and so you do have to have a knowledge about all those things yeah so yeah mental health is one of those areas that you have to you have to know about all those anyway yeah and I think that's holistic health in general because it is all so linked so it is yeah it's really interesting to see how you can help with all of them yeah absolutely yeah um so when it comes to a typical day in clinic life can you run us through what that looks like if there is a such thing as a typical day (laughs) yeah yeah I think when I'm at clinic there is generally a typical day um I'm a big believer in like setting the day up really well mm-hmm. so just before I even get to clinic I'm I've I've gotten up um my husband is a PT so I've dropped him into work early and then I go straight to training so I go and train myself and move my body um and then I will come home have breakfast get ready and then I'll just I'll generally then head into clinic um so I don't live too far away from the clinic so some of the other girls in the clinic will, they live um, a fair way away and they catch the train. So they'll do emails on the train, but I'll just get into clinic and just start my day with emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's generally um, something that I start with. And then I will start seeing clients usually from about 10 a.m. Um, generally. Mm-hmm. It's good being, um, I can really, 
I can really move my schedule around depending on what's going on. But generally, I don't like to see clients until that mid-morning. I do do one early morning a week. Um, But it's it's good to have that balance. So I see clients pretty much from 10 a.m. up until 6 Mm -hmm. p.m. And it really depends. Like usually the days are pretty busy seeing clients um, and we see... We can see anywhere, you know, we usually try to limit it to about five clients a day, but sometimes it does get a little bit over that um, because we do spend quite a bit of time with each client. But, yeah, so it's just clinic days are hectic. Yeah. <laughs> it's just seeing clients. Um, and then generally I don't do a lot of emails during the day and I, that's why I have that um, email kind of between 8 and 10 a.m. I tend to look at my emails just because I don't get the, I don't get the chance during the day. Yeah. So it's seeing clients and then coming home and, yeah, just switching off and doing whatever I need. Sometimes I'll work a little bit at night, but I tend to not do that because I find that I've burnt out in the past and I don't want to do that again. Um, So, yeah, it it can be really full on, Mm. but I I love it as well. Um, So that's my clinic days and I do work four days. Usually on on Thursdays I don't have a clinic day I have an admin day and I absolutely need that day yeah um because when it's really really busy I I need that day to catch up on things you know I'm emailing clients and I'm emailing them prescriptions and I'm emailing I'm looking through results and I'm drawing up treatment plans and all of that I I try to keep on top of that during the week though each day I try and do as much of that as I can but sometimes if I'm really busy it overloads and I I'm doing it on a Thursday but the other things that I do on a Thursday is everything else. Um, so it's like my non-clinic work. So I do, I'll do, you know, recipe development. I'll do, I'll have meetings. Um, I'll do like brand ambassador stuff. I'll do podcasts. I'll record, I'll record content. Like it's all of the other things that you do um, outside of clinic. So I find that my Thursdays are, I love my Thursdays because every, every Thursday is different. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, it gives me some kind of um, some kind of structure, I guess, having clinic every other day, and then my Thursdays doing that. So yeah, that's I guess the day in the life of. It's it's not the same every day, but I thrive off it not being the same every day because I, I couldn't I couldn't work in a job that was the same every day. I don't think. Yeah, wow, you've certainly got a lot on your plate there, but you seem to do an incredible job at managing that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's only after a lot of trial and error. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> definitely. <laughs> Come easy and it's only after literally burning the candle at both ends and burning out that yeah. I've I have had to put boundaries in place and seriously even when I started my PT uh, business way back I was I would work you know early morning late night and also during the day and I would come home at night and get back on my laptop and try to continue to work because when you work you know for yourself or you you have your own kind of business it never stops. Like you're always doing something. And I remember my husband saying, you need to, you need to chill out. Like you need to have a a set time where you put the laptop away. And at the time I kind of rolled my eyes, but I really did learn that I can't, I can't keep doing that. So these days I really try to kind of get home. And when I am home, unless I absolutely have to, Mm -hmm. I will, I won't open my laptop. I try not to. Um, And I try to just like, from the time I get home at night, it's all about making dinner, switching off, chilling out with my husband, patting my cats. <laughs> <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> and then just like getting ready to like wind down to have an awesome sleep so I can do it all the next day. Yeah. 
And I think it's so brilliant that you do have that Thursday as an admin day and that you did touch on that because a lot of the time people don't realise just how much goes into clinic in terms of it's not just the appointment, there's all the following up and all, yeah, like you said, the reporting, the meal planning, all that sort of stuff that it's a lot. It's not just the time you're with that person. Yeah, absolutely. It's so much. And I think like at, at the JCN clinic, we really pride ourselves in what we give back to our clients. Like yeah. we spend so much time on their nutritional prescriptions and it's mm-hmm. so not a cookie cutter thing. Like no one's prescription is the same. Yeah. And so it's about, you know, it's really, really try to like, at least I do like really try and get into like what that person, like what their routine is, what foods they like, what they don't like, you know, like are they super busy? Do they have not a, not a lot of time to do food prep or do they love being in the kitchen, you know? Who yeah. does their, their cooking? Like it's really individual. So I re- really try and tap into what's going to work for that person. And I say to people all the time, I'm like, what about this? What about that? You know, tell me what you like to eat because I want to write things up for you that you actually enjoy um, yeah. and you will you will eat. I don't want to give you these options that you're not going to actually enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and even sometimes that we do recipe development for our clients, like depending on their food, we get a lot of food intolerances and a lot of hairy gut cases. So yeah. sometimes people come in only eating, be able to eat five things. And so we have wow. to kind of make it work in those initial stages, um, trying to be as balanced as possible and trying to get as much diversity into them as possible. So yeah, it's challenging, but it's yeah. definitely, it's definitely worth it. Like, yeah, as I said, it really does energize me. And that's uh, that's how I know that I'm in the right spot, I guess, with my career at the moment, because as exhausting as it can be, it like every day when I'm on the bus on the way home, like I'm usually just so energized. And so I just love, I just love the work that I do. So yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. And it sounds like you really go above and beyond to deliver the best service possible. Thank you. I think it's it's only because we're so passionate. Like you yeah. wouldn't do it if you if you weren't, you know. And I think if you yeah, if you didn't feel that pull to do that, then maybe it's not the right thing for you to be doing and maybe you're you align somewhere else. But certainly within this clinic and and it's just being in such a, a supportive environment as well. I think that's huge. Yeah. Um yeah, we bounce off each other. We have a a good few laughs in the clinic and you know, it's not all serious business. <laughs> yeah, that would certainly help. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in terms of how long you spend which, with each client, what's an average appointment? So it depends. Um, so usually in an initial consultation, we tend to spend anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes. Yeah. Sometimes two hours if it's a really, really complex case. Yeah. Um, but I tend to go more often than not, I'll go to around that 90-minute mark. Yeah. Um, so booked out with our with our booking system we have figured out that we book out say for an initial we'll be with the client for 60 to 90 minutes but we've got a full two hours booked out in the schedule so that if we do go over um we do have that buffer but also we try and do as much work as we can as soon as they leave we try and get all the notes up to date and kind of really get a good um, grip on their prescription so that it's all fresh in our head and we can kind of that's how we we do it as we go Mm -hmm. um happen like that so that's an initial consult um 
Now, then we have an extended follow-up, which is generally 45 to 60 minutes, and that will be going through um, some comprehensive testing. So generally it will be, um, you know, some stool results or some hormonal tests or an organic acid test or sometimes a couple of those or sometimes, you know, a stool result and blood tests or something like that. Yeah. So it'll be like some comprehensive tests and um, results, and that takes a while just because you have to explain to the client like what is going on. And I really, I think education is absolutely key and understanding, yes. you know, if you go and put someone or ask them to, you know, change their diet, then you've got to kind of back up why you want them to change their diet. And you've got to remind them that you're changing your diet for this reason, because mm-hmm. we want to, you know, we don't want to feed these these bugs that are overgrown in your gut. So we need to, you know, remove those for a short period of time, but knowing that, it will come back into the diet. So I think yeah. that's a huge thing. Yeah. So that's our that's our extended follow-up. Um, and then our standard follow-ups are generally 30 minutes. Yeah. So that and that that's that's how it usually goes. It usually goes initial and then an extended follow-up. And then from there, which it's just 30-minute consults. So that's more yeah. of a check-in, you know, how are you going with your food, how are you going with all of your symptoms, um, and checking in on on how they're going and then suggesting the next phase of treatment. Yeah. And yeah, and just making sure they're all okay. So that's yeah, that's what we that's what we do. Awesome. And do you have buffers for the follow-ups as well as the initial? Yeah. Yeah, so we have um so our follow-ups are they're in the books as a 90 minute okay consult. yeah so say if it goes for 60 minutes then we still have that 30 minute buffer that's great and then our follow-ups are booked out for 60 minutes yeah. so it might be with a client for 30 minutes we do have that 30 minute buffer as well and often with those ones they can easily they can easily go up to 45 minutes but we have yeah. to kind of really be cautious about that yeah I think that's really good because I think it would be quite stressful and not realistic to work in a clinic where it's just one after the other and especially as you guys do put so much in behind the scenes you just wouldn't have time to do that no (laughs) absolutely not so that's why even you know we try to as I said before cap it at five but it really depends on the day like sometimes if I've only got follow-ups I'll see seven clients yeah um whereas if I've got maybe three initials I might only see three or four clients because that's like six hours blocked out you know yeah, just initial consultations yeah so it really it really depends on the day um but I think that's so important and I think Jess tries to encourage us as much as possible to yeah to try to do the work as we go and just yeah. make sure that we leave ourselves the time um necessary to kind of take a breath in between clients because you are interacting with people all day and whether it be in person or over Skype or phone, which was we do as well, yeah. we um, you're taking on someone's energy and yeah. that's a big, especially for an empathetic type of person like myself, um, yeah. it, it is, it's a big deal and sometimes you get bogged down in that energy. So it's really important to kind of take a deep breath in between seeing clients so that you're the best that you can be for that next client and not really bogged down by all the other clients that you've seen um, previously. Yeah, I think that's so important to mention. I'm glad you did because, yeah, you do need that time to yourself. And you mentioned you do your morning movement, you go train in the morning and then after work you switch off. So it's so important to have that time to replenish your own energy stores and just, yeah, get ready for the next person so you can show up fully and to the best of your ability to help them as much as you can. 
Absolutely. I'm a huge yeah. um, believer in you have to fill your cup up to yeah. be able to give out to others. Yeah. And again, I've only learned that through my own personal experience. <laughs> the hard way. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be the way we learn, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've hit rock bottom before. So it's, yeah, it's really, it's about taking care of yourself in every way um, so that you can take care of others. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So what would you say are the skills necessary for someone who does want to go into clinical nutrition like you have? Well, (laughs) so I think that you like from a really practical perspective, like obviously you've got to know your stuff, right? Like you've got to have that degree, nutritional degree behind you. But you also then there's that element of being able to translate what you know about the body and food and how it all connects into be able to educate and explain that to clients and to be able to hold their hand through a pretty overwhelming process. Yeah. So I think that's where, that's what differentiates someone who doesn't have an interest in, um, you know, clinical nutrition and someone who does and does want to practice in that area. It's that interpersonal skill set, I think, is the big thing. Yeah. So it's being able to, yeah, um, you know, quickly build rapport with a client and make them feel comfortable um, with you sitting, with them sitting across from you. Because especially with me, like seeing a lot of mental health um, cases, like someone can have severe depression or anxiety and they, for them, that might be the hardest thing that they do all day is to come and see you. And you've got to make them feel really comfortable with that and really go at their, at their pace as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a a huge thing. Um, But you've also got to be able to, you know, break down complex, you know, biochemical, you know, reactions that happen in the body and be able to explain them really simply to someone so that they understand Yeah. and then hold space for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, obviously, is going through test results and all of that. So you've got to be able to, um, you know, go through pathology. I'm a huge fan of blood results um, yeah. and, and going through them really thoroughly because mm-hmm. there's so much that you can actually find out especially I use that a lot for mental health there's so much that you can do um, on that aspect but then obviously reading others test results so stool tests you know organic acid tests we do a lot of hormonal dutch tests like so but being able to take those results and what's on the paper but also take into account the client that's sitting across from you and what their case is telling you and then formulating a treatment plan um, based on that and then based on that personality of that person and knowing how fast to move through that treatment plan, which is a whole other kind of story. You've got to be able to, yeah, um, figure out what kind of what kind of makes that person tick and be able to match, almost be a chameleon and match the, the pace of treatment to that person. Because sometimes a person will come in and they'll be, they would be, they would have done everything that they could possibly do. Their, their diet's up to scratch, you know, but they still have all these symptoms. So you can move fairly, fairly quickly with that person and create a few changes quite quickly. Whereas another person, they might have a lot of issues going on, but they might not, but not be eating a very, you know, um, whole food balanced diet. So you've really just got to start there, even though you know that there's probably a lot of underlying gut issues and hormonal imbalances that you have to address. You can't go straight in with that. You have to do the, the foundational work first. Yeah. So it's identifying that too. So yeah, there's a few skills. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot <laughs> <But> involved. <laughs> you, you also, um, you develop them as you, as you go as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that the Endeavour course equipped you with that or has there been anything else that has helped you develop the skills further or anything you recommend people do? Yeah. So I think Endeavour was amazing at yeah. equipping 
students with that clinical skill set yeah because we did a subjects on that before we even got into student clinic and then that that actual experience with members of the public in the student clinic was just invaluable absolutely so I found that fantastic yeah Yeah. especially if you do want to be a practitioner um when you graduate so that's that's great and it, it sets you up but of course then there's the whole other side of it like I found, um, you know, reading blood tests and reading, um, you know, functional testing results, that's not something that's taught um, yeah. so much at Endeavour. Like I de- there's definitely, you definitely touch on it, but mm-hmm. not to the extent that you need to when you are in practice. So yeah. further study is is involved in that. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to do another degree, but, you know, just there's a lot of, you know, resources that you can use online. Um, so I'm actually doing further study or not further study but I'm being mentored at the moment um, mainly through for mental health and nutrition so I use Rachel Arthur um, who you might know of but she's a fantastic mentor and I am a huge believer in getting that that mentoring especially when you first graduate because there is although you do know a lot there's a lot that you don't know as well so it's always nice to have that expert that's been in the field for 20 plus years who can really take you through you know um really comprehensive blood results and also just being surrounded by the girls in the clinic like that was huge for me so I think that was one of the biggest I guess points of difference I noticed when I practiced just for kind of renting a room and being quite isolated in my practice and just having to rely on my own you know um my own research and and all of that compared to then being face-to-face with other nutritionists and other you know clinicians and being able to say hey I don't understand this test result can you please help me break it down and help me formulate a treatment plan and Jess was so good at that um so she's been such a great mentor for me as well so I'm a huge believer in in getting some help like that yeah amazing and it's so true that support network is invaluable and I think it's yeah such an advantage oh absolutely yeah Yeah. so agree yeah Awesome. So before we move on to other questions, I want to touch a little bit on the other things you do as well. So you mentioned already you do some recipe development. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that side of things? Yeah, sure. So I do also do some, yeah, do recipe development for companies um, that approach me generally. It's not something that I've really pushed um, because I am quite busy in the clinic, but it is something that I really enjoy doing. So I find that the balance between being in clinical practice and and being a clinician, um, balancing that out with the creativity of developing recipes is really, really beneficial. And I love that side of things. Yeah. And so I do recipe development for, I've worked with a few companies to develop just recipes for programs for, you know, with gyms and whatnot, doing, you know, eight week challenge kind of development um, there, but also then just doing some recipes. Like I worked with some supermarkets to put some recipes into their kind of um, online and their their catalogs and and things like that so I love doing that when it when that work crops up so I do that definitely Um, yeah I do love working with brands and just just doing that other side of things there Um, so yeah it's something that I really love doing yeah that sounds really cool you did also mention the brand ambassadorship can you talk a little bit more about that and your experience doing that too yeah, so I, and that's something that's growing mm-hmm. quite at the moment as well. Just as I guess my social media follow, um, my followers and my, you know, engagement kind of grows in that way, then yeah. there's lots of brands that reach out to you and they want you to, um, you know, 
basically give your thoughts as a nutritionist on their on their brand, on their product, um, on their service, whatever it might be. Yeah. So I do, I am aligned with a few brands. And I'm really picky as to what brand I do align with because it's not going to be every brand. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be that person on Instagram who was constantly just going over brands and, and just everything's like sponsored or an ad or whatever because that's just not me and I'm just... But whenever I do find that a brand is good, I will tell people about it just naturally anyway because I think, you know, it deserves to be to be pushed out there, you know. So yeah. I, I will always, um, I often do tag brands and I, I, yeah, I'm aligned with some brands with their products. Yeah. Um, but obviously, yeah, quality is huge and they have to sit right with me. Um, there's lots and lots that I, that do reach out and I'm like, I'm sorry, it just doesn't really align with my ethos or it doesn't really, it just doesn't sit right. So yeah. yeah, I think doing that is great, but you have to, yeah, you have to be really picky. Yeah, absolutely. You want to stick to your values and your morals and not become like a yeah. sellout just doing it for the money or, yeah, I think that's yeah. very important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. And speaking was another thing that you also do a little bit of yeah. of. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, so I do... And again, this is a bit more more random as well, um, yeah. and it kind of comes in ebbs and flows. I mean, I've certainly done my own kind of workshops and whatnot that I've put on, yeah. but also there's um, there's quite a few kind of companies that I've um, been invited to to speak at. So it just depends. I've got actually one coming up this weekend for International Women's Day. Oh, I've got I've been invited to be a a speaker at a, at a women's event there mm-hmm. um but yeah it really depends like usually it's it's that company reaching out to you after they've seen you you know usually on social media or they've seen other work that you've done and they think you'd be a good fit to speak um about whatever it might be yeah I do do a lot of corporate work as well so mm-hmm. uh, I find that I love that work as well so going into big corporate businesses and educating about whatever they want to educate about. So generally it's, you know, how to put a balanced meal together, how to make sure energy levels are, you know, quite stable across the day, um, you know, that kind of stuff that will really benefit them as during the work day. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, um, really important too. And I love doing that work. So yeah, it is really varied um, and it depends on the client, but I really enjoy that as well. And I never thought that I would like during high school, I remember hating public speaking and I, I would just freeze and I would hate it. And it was just like my, yeah, it was a horrible thing. But then I don't know. I think when, as you grow up and you mature, but also as if you're speaking about something that you're so passionate about, I think that changes everything. And now I go up and I just, I have almost no nerves going up. Like, oh, you know, That's a little brilliant. bit of nerves is fine, but yeah. I don't freak myself out like I used to. Yeah. And I find that when you get into the flow of speaking, it's, yeah, you can be really engaging. And mm-hmm. I, and yeah, and you, you're talking about something that you're so passionate about and people really pick up on that as well. Yeah. So I really find that enjoyable and a really rewarding experience as well. Yeah, amazing. And so do most of those come to you? You mentioned for some of the like International Women's Day and things like that they do, but the corporate ones, are they approaching you as well or do you ever go out and find them? No, it's not something that I've gone out and found um, yet. (laughs) I think that I do love the balance of it and it definitely ebbs and flows, but but so far in the last few years, it's just been more 
um, they come and find me. And sometimes, like some months, I'll have a speaking event, you know, almost every week. And then other months, there'll be a, a couple of months that go by and it'll be a little bit more quiet. Mm-hmm. So I actually haven't spoken for a couple of months um, or actually this year yet. So this Women's Day one will be the first one. But yeah. I generally do. I, don't, I couldn't even put a value on. I couldn't even say like once a month or whatever. But yeah, definitely yeah. there's there's ebbs and flows. So it's something that I would like to put out there more and put mm-hmm. more, um, I guess, effort into that part of my business. But at the moment, clinic is really is quite consuming, <laughs> and I just Absolutely. do whatever else I can on the side. <laughs> yeah, well, you're doing a very good job at doing so much. So it's very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So what would you say your vision is for the future? Well, I think that I would love, I I, I can't imagine not practicing one-on-one. So I think that there is a a clinician in me and there always will be a clinician in me, but I don't think it'll be all of my work. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, at the moment doing it four days, I know I'm really enjoying it right now, but I know that that's not going to be forever. Yeah. I will probably like in the future I envisage myself practicing maybe two or three days a week and then doing the other stuff that we just talked about the other couple of days. Yeah. So you know, doing more speaking gigs and doing working with brands and even doing a bit of writing as well. I do love that too. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I envisage is or that I want to get into the future is doing more online stuff. So doing um, like I already do online consults, but more doing I don't know, developing programs and really targeting mental health um, Mm because I think there's a huge gap here, but targeting mental health and um, helping people who maybe can't afford to see me one-on-one and getting like to reach those people um, who, yeah, can't afford it or they just, they don't have the the resources to be able to do that, but be able to help them um, and look at their mental health in a different way. Mm -hmm. So not just, you know, being going to the doctor and taking a pill for it as much as that can be part of the answer for some but more empowering people to to know that their mental health is not it's not just a genetic thing they're born with and they just don't have any say in it like there are so many things that can influence mental health and that's I guess my core message yeah so I think that that will form a really, really large part of my future practice Mm -hmm. and I would love in the future to work with like to find a lot more like integrative psychiatrists and integrative doctors to work with in that space. Cause I think that there is a lot of work to be done, yeah. but I think that it's going to have to take time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that in 10 years or however long it takes, I hope that mental health is treated, not just by looking at what is the imbalance in the brain and how can we fix that with a drug, but more looking at the gut, yeah. you know, there's, all, there's already this, uh, you know, Um, what's it called, nutritional psychiatry field that's becoming um, more evolved. And I would, I really see myself working in that field and really getting really deep in that field. So yeah, that's probably my niche area that I want to really expand on in the future. Yeah, incredible. I look forward to seeing that all unfold. Thank you. Uh, And what does success mean to you? Success is, it's a funny one because I don't think that like, certainly being able to support yourself financially is part of being successful, but it's certainly not the be on the end all. I think for me, having like success is living your life every day and enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. 
and going home and going to sleep at night, you know, knowing that you're making a difference and you're doing something that lights your soul up yeah. as, you know, woo-woo as that sounds. But I think that too many people um, are, I guess, deemed as successful in air quotations um, because they earn a lot of money, but they're actually not happy. Yeah, and I think that fulfilled. success needs like to be truly successful in life. Like you've got to be happy, right? Like, yeah. you know, you, you might not have it all, you know, in, in terms of, you know, financially and you might not have the looks and the car and the house and all that, but you, I don't believe that you need to have all that to be successful. I think it's more to do with how happy you are in your life, in your relationships and in your career and what you're doing every single day needs to count. And yeah. although, you know, having a goal and having, um, you know, dreams and, being really outcome focused is important. I think that the journey and getting there is equally as important. I think that, you know, day to day, like, although you might have a big, a big, you know, hairy goal of doing something huge, you still need to enjoy the little steps that uh, get help you get there every okay. day. Um, and not just focus on that one day, because usually it's like anything like it's like, you know, oh, yeah, I really want to be successful. I need to lose 10 kilos. And then you lose the 10 kilos and you're still not where you think you should be. Yeah. It's just like that. It's got to, you've got to trust the process and enjoy the journey. So, yeah, success is that's what I think success is. It's not just about having a million dollars or having the <laughs> house. It's about how happy you are, yeah. really happy um, internally. Yeah, I love everything you just said. That's a beautiful definition of success. And, oh, thank you. And what would you attribute your success to date to? So how would you say you've gotten to where you are today? I think, well, I don't know, I think being really passionate, like I think that I'm almost lucky that I found what, you know, nutrition and mental health and movement, like being so passionate about all of those areas. It just, that's why I am I, I successful at what I do because I just love it so much that I'm constantly <laughs> just learning and listening and reading and all of that. But yeah. I think that obviously that go, you know, hard work is part of that. And you having a passion doesn't mean that you don't work hard like you do, yeah. but it, I guess it makes it easier to work hard because you are so passionate and driven. Yeah. Um, but also then it's about the people that surround you. Like for me, mm-hmm. I would not be where I am without the people that surround me. So, you know, my friends and my family, my husband is incredibly supportive and um, the girls that I work with every day, like, yeah, so much, so much support comes from them. So I'm so thankful, um, thankful them, for them as well. Yeah, amazing. Uh, what is one mindset shift that you think is important for fellow nutritionists to be successful in their careers? I think that we should all not compare. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> because I think I'm such a big believer that I'm not a believer of timelines. I'm a big believer mm-hmm. that you need to trust the journey as it unfolds. Yeah. And I am a believer that things happen for a reason and that, you know, even the most horrible thing that might happen to you, even though it can be horrible at the time or it can feel like the biggest disappointment, it can actually be the biggest blessing. Yeah. So I think that the mindset shift needs to be not about what other people are doing. It needs to be about focusing on what you want to do, what lights you up, 
even yeah. if you don't know what you want to do or what that looks like, focus on what lights you up, what makes you happy to be reading or learning about yeah. and follow that and follow your gut instinct because I, th- I think that far too few of us really tap into that gut instinct. I think that everybody has that gut instinct, but we need to really align with it and to to follow it. And now I know that if something comes up, even like whether it be a, a business opportunity or a, you know, a brand approaching me or whatever it might be, um, if I don't feel right about it for some, if I just can't put my finger on it, I don't feel right about it, then I won't do it. And, and that's something that I've kind of learned over time as well. So, yeah, I think it's like staying in your own lane. Don't compare yourself too much to others and just know that even though different people around you might be like in quotation marks successful doesn't mean at a certain age or at a certain, you know, if you graduated with the same, with someone and they're seem, they seem to be so much more successful than you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about, you know, following your own path and, and seeing where that leads you. So I think that's a, that's a really big one. I think even personally, like my own family for ages, they were like, oh God, what are you doing with your life? Like <laughs> you did you did a degree in psychology and now you're doing PT and now you're doing nutrition. Like when are you actually going to settle down and get a job and start working and earning money? And it took me 10 years, like 10 years to get there. Yeah. But now I'm actually doing that. I'm, I'm building on my business and I'm earning money. And I, even though it took me 10 years, like that's fine. Yeah. You know? And I think, don't listen to what other people it's like specifically parents are telling you in regards to you need to get a you know a full-time job or you need to do this or that like do what you what you feel like you need to do yeah absolutely we are all on our own journeys and everything that happens along the way makes us into the person that we are so they are also important and there's lessons in everything so yeah I yeah. absolutely love that because I think we can be so hard on ourselves and compare ourselves to other people's like yeah. chapter 10 when we're still at chapter one or two and it's just we, there's no yeah. comparison you can't put yourself at that level because yeah. they've been doing it for so much longer and there's different circumstances so yeah that is yeah. so important absolutely couldn't agree more yeah Awesome. Um, so now for a question about books, because I'm a massive bookworm and I always ask this question. So if you could recommend one book to all of the listeners to read, what would it be and why? Well, so I would probably target this to more females. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, any males listening, but I think that there's a couple actually that I would recommend. Um, and I think it, they're more about they're, they're more about specific things, but more looking at female health. And I think that um, I'm a big believer in like knowledge is power. And if we can, yes. you know, have the knowledge to make better choices, then you know, then then do that. So one of them would be um, by Lara Brighton, the Period Repair Manual. Oh, I know I've that's very that specific. Yeah, but I really do think that like every woman should read that book yeah. um, because we need to get as women, like we really need to get in touch with our cycles and what our bodies are telling us. So that's a huge one. Um, and I love Lara Biden. Like I love her to death. Um, another, my other one would be, um, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Libby Weaver. Yeah. So any of her books really, but rushing women's syndrome is another favorite one of mine. And I think that that's a, a really, really, um, important topic that especially as women, we need to, think about and we think and think about you know actually slowing down and what having 
what juggling 10 balls means for our health. Yeah. And so I think um, even as health practitioners, I think that we need to really stop sometimes and kind of take a breath and realise that we do need to take care of ourselves. So those two are probably some of my favourites. Oh, and also one more. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm no, probably going off. But one more, <laughs> and that would be more to do with mental health, but um, by Dr. Kelly Brogan, A Mind of Your Own. Okay, I haven't heard of that, that one. one. Yeah. Oh, I'm adding that amazing. to my reading list. <laughs> yeah, so it's about, it's more about, again, empowering your your own mental health and knowing yeah. that, you are not born with a deficiency in Prozac. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you're not born with this, um, you're not born, yeah, in a, in a really bad way. You can actually reverse these kind of mental health conditions if, yeah. you, if you have the right help and you do, yeah, you nurture yourself in the right way. Yeah. Oh, they all sound so good. And I will include a link to those in the show notes for everyone listening. Awesome. So in nutrition, we are in the business of helping people. How important is it to you to help yourself first? So we um, talked a little bit about this at the start, but um, do you want to just elaborate on just how important that really is and why we all shouldn't underestimate how important it is to take that time to ourselves? Yeah, absolutely. I am a massive believer in, you know, filling your cup up first. And again, learned this from experience, Um, you can't, (laughs) Yeah, you can't pour from an empty cup. So, and especially as health practitioners, I do feel that we need to, if we're going to talk the talk, we need to walk the walk. Yeah. So not only leading by example, but I think that if we are not taking care of ourselves in the best way that we can, then how can we help others? So putting my health up there in my priority list is huge. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I've, I've had a few things that have happened health wise over the years. And I think that every one of those things has taught me so much so now I really I really make sure that I do all the little things it's not about one big thing that you do every day it's all it's about all of the little things that you do um, to take care of your health and obviously that goes from you know eating nutritious meals um, and ensuring that you're getting the right fuel into your body to taking the right supplements if you need to supplement to to moving your body in a way that suits you because everybody is different yeah Um, taking care of your mental health so you know doing that part of it too because as I said earlier at the very start you have to really focus on those three areas of health to be truly healthy and and yet you can't just leave out one or two of them so um, it's incredibly important to me. Yeah I love what you said there about it's all about the little things you do because it's so true to our health and even to our career like as you mentioned before you spoke about consistency and I just think that we can't drill that home enough like that is so important just all the little things add up and just keep going as small as the steps may be you will get to your end goal if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Absolutely couldn't agree more. Yeah so back to that um, what are your non-negotiables when it does come to looking after yourself? So food wise, it's just making sure I, I'm, I never buy food, um, not, not never buy food out, but I, when I'm at work, like I will always bring my lunch in and all of my food Yep. because I think I'm such a foodie and I hate paying money for food that I could have cooked better myself at home. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Unless like there's a couple of cafes that I absolutely love that Mm -hmm. are in the city here, but I, yeah, we all bring our lunch in. So, um, you know, making sure I have my lunch prepped. And I think that comes back to putting food and like thinking about what you're going to eat for the week. And I talk this to this um, 
to clients about this all the time, putting that high in your priority list. Mm -hmm. So actually figuring out, okay, what am I going to eat this week? (laughs) And actually making a bit of a list and doing what you need to do on the weekend to kind of set yourself up for success during the week. Because I know that if I don't fuel myself properly and have enough food Mm -hmm. that I'm going to run on empty and I'm not going to be able to do the job that I need to do Um, and to be there for clients that I see or to write the recipes or to do whatever it might be. Um, So food wise, I'm a, yeah, I'm a big believer in prepping a lot of my own stuff and making sure I have enough of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then as as I said before, um, movement. So, you know, moving in the right amounts and at the right time. So I'll train four to five times a week. But Mm -hmm. if I'm unwell or if I'm feeling really, um, really tired and or fatigued, like I won't, I'll just listen to my body. And I think that's really important as well. So, you know, if I'm having a really, yeah, a really kind of hectic time, I might do, you know, yoga or I might go for a walk instead of doing like a weight-based session or something like that. Like I'll just really listen listen to my body. But I do think yeah. that any kind of movement is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, if even if it's just stretching, you know, stretching or walking or that kind of thing. Yeah. And then my other non-negotiables are the things that I've kind of picked up and put in place probably over the last couple of years. Um, and this includes, this is like all that other stuff, like that keeps my my mental and psychological health in check. Yeah. And that's the simple things, right? It's like, it can be as simple for me as literally cuddling my cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, if you haven't, if you, if you can't tell, I'm a crazy cat lady, um, but I have two cats at home and I think I'm a huge believer in animals as therapy and animals mm. as, you know, yeah. a really, really great psychological tool to help us feel better. Yeah. So, you know, day or every every single day I will pick my cats up and I talk to my cats and I do all that crazy stuff and my husband rolls his eyes but honestly like they are a huge stress reliever for me and and yeah I can't I can't speak enough of that Mm -hmm. um but then also the other things like um I've realized over the last couple of years I I feel my best when I'm eating well I'm moving but I'm also getting regular acupuncture and I'm getting regular like chiropractic adjustments and I'm you know doing yoga um, and I'm stretching and you know all of these things as I said before like all these little things come together Mm -hmm. to create that balance and when you're too you know you can go with the pendulum can swing one way or another you know it's more about keeping that pendulum in the middle and only swinging a little bit side to side as opposed to like really really big big side swings yeah so and that's that through trial and error and just that's that's me like knowing that I respond really well at like my body and my mind respond really well to doing those things really regularly um that's when I feel my best and if something drops off and I don't do acupuncture or Cairo or take the time to do yoga or whatever yeah. I feel it yeah so I, I just that, that kind of stuff prevents me from feeling um yeah burnt out or feeling fatigued or whatever it might be Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it would translate over into your work too, because like you mentioned before, if you don't fill up your own cup, it's hard to fill up other people's. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Experienced that too many times. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to talk a little bit about your burnout experience actually? Is there anything? Oh, yeah. I've I've referenced it about five times. Um, Yeah, I... I have a bit of a background in, not a background, but a bit of a history of, um, yeah, chronic fatigue. I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue, I don't know how many years ago now, um, and really at that same time suffered severe depression and 
was almost hospitalized really um so for me it was like a physical burnout but it was also a psychological burnout and it was just Mm -hmm. as a result of me pushing too hard burning the candle at both ends and really expecting too much of myself being that type a personality as many of us are um so I think that that was a huge life lesson and um, it taught me a lot about myself, but I don't regret it at all because now it makes me, it makes me a better practitioner to know that, you know, the person sitting across from me that is experiencing burnout or severe depression or is, you know, um, going through any of those things. Like I have that empathy. So for that person, and I think that that's huge in, in treating or in doing what I do. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so really hit rock bottom and, um, yeah, across, along the way, used nutrition and used nutritional therapy and used herbs and used yoga and all of that stuff. Um, and just, yeah, all of the things, breath work, um, energy work, energy healing, like all of the things you can think of. Like mm-hmm. I used all of that and, um, yeah, really kind of put myself back together. And not to say that I'm, you know, absolutely on fire now. <laughs> I actually just um, had my breast implants removed a couple of months ago and that was another big um, part of my story and part of, I think, my um, my chronic fatigue and all of those symptoms as well. So that was a huge self-care moment for me, a, quite an expensive one, yeah. um, but I, am, I don't regret it. I don't regret getting them in either, but mm-hmm. I just knew that's a whole other podcast in itself, but yeah. yeah, it's something that I did recently just to... Um, to further my health and to, yeah, just allow my body to have to have a life and to heal and to not have these, you know, toxic implants just impeding on my health, which is what they were doing for me. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a, li- a little bit about what, what's been going on in my life the last few years. <laughs> yeah, wow, there's a lot there, isn't it? But I think having that firsthand experience, as annoying and crappy as it can be at the time that you're going mm-hmm. through it, it's so invaluable, especially the way you did try all of those modalities and you did really walk your talk in terms of what you're helping other people with now. You went through that and you can, yeah, really empathise with them. And, yeah, I think that's really beneficial as, as much as it would be nice to not have to go through that in the first place, there oh. is a purpose. <laughs> Absolutely. Often like as, as practitioners and especially as nutritionists, like mm. we got into this field, especially with, um, you know, more this alternative medicine or the natural medicine field, like we've got into this field because we've been through all of our own health, you know, yeah. journeys. And often we've been through chronic health conditions or quite severe health issues that have not been able to be helped by conventional medicine um, as we would have hoped. So I think that everybody's got that bit of a backstory. Um, And that's what we do tend to be attracted to when we get into clinic um, and, and helping others. Like my niche is mental health and it, you know, I will continue to grow and explore and study this area because of my background in having such severe depression. And I know how it feels and it was so debilitating yeah. that I would push it upon my worst enemy. And not to say that I'm completely, you know, healed because I don't think that that's really a thing now, but I'm certainly managing it a lot better than what I ever was. And um, so when, you know, a client came in the other day suffering extreme depressive episodes mm-hmm. and like really, really low and, you know, I could hold space for them because I've experienced that myself. And they said to me, like, I chose you as a practitioner because you, you've opened up about your depression history. And I knew that you'd be able to um, really empathize with me. She said yeah. that she's been to 
other practitioners and doctors and they just kind of they go yep and they nod but they haven't experienced what she's experienced so it's really hard for her to connect Uh, and so just that kind of work really that's the stuff that like brings tears to my eyes and it really kind of helps it really yeah lights me up and I know that I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm making a difference um in even if it's only a handful of people's lives like I yeah that that kind of stuff that life-changing stuff is is where yeah where it gets you in the warm and fuzzies <laughs> yeah that's so special yeah mm. <laughs> so this has been an amazing episode and I've absolutely loved everything you've brought to the table today before we wrap up do you have any parting words of advice or wisdom to the listeners what I would say is really you might not know what you want to do from in the nutrition space you know you might have been attracted to nutrition for whatever reason but really don't limit yourself yeah so you know tune in to your gut instinct and if you don't know what it is that you want to do then really experiment and explore Mm -hmm. um you know your options out there and I think that's the beauty of this this kind of podcast in that it really highlights all of the different avenues that you have as a nutritionist um it is not a conventional, um, there's, there's no real conventional way of getting a job. So I think that you have to be a bit of a self-starter and you have to really think outside the box. Um, and also you can, you can make your own position up, you know, yeah. like that's the beauty of this, of jobs in this day and age. Like people yeah. are making money and earning a living off social media. Like yeah. <laughs> really yeah. there is no, there is no hard and fast rules. Um, and I think that's, as much as some people, you know, they get their noses out of joint when they when they look at that, mainly the older generations. But I think that it's a beautiful thing that there is so much that we can do and really don't put a don't put a ceiling on, you know, above you. Like there is no ceiling. Like yeah. you can do whatever you want to do. It's more about finding what is going to drive you and light you up mm-hmm. and then think about how can you make a career out of that. And if you do that, then you honestly, it'll, it, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but it's going to be a hell of a more, more enjoyable ride than if you force yourself to do something that you don't think you'll enjoy. Yeah. So yeah, it's not, it's definitely not easy, but it's, it requires some thinking and some connection with others and, you know, reach out and ask, ask other nutritionists and ask other people what they, what they did. And, you know, your story might look completely different, but, you know, you do need to, yeah, really rely on others and, and yeah, ask questions and make your own way. Yeah. What brilliant advice to end on. That is powerful and amazing. Thank <laughs> um, you. <laughs> now, last but certainly not least, where can everyone follow along your journey and see you progress and develop? So Instagram is probably my most active um, online, um, I guess, Thing that you can follow, find me at so I'm uh, at Emma Morris underscore nutrition yeah so that's where you can find me on insta but um I also have a website so it's just www.emmamorris.com.au yeah um and you can find out a lot about me on my website um mm-hmm. they're probably the two biggest spaces I would go to find out about me yeah. you can also go and you know on both of those areas I have um connections to the clinic website but if you want to know about the JCN clinic um, and even about the nutritionist there, then you can go to um, jessicacox.com.au yeah. and that's 
Yes, the website is pretty brilliant. Um, and also, if you haven't been to that website before, there is a lot of amazing recipes that you might yeah. want to try. So, so yeah, many. definitely <laughs> head there as well. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And I'll pop all those links in the show notes as well. Brilliant. Cool. So thank you so much for joining me today, Emma. This has been incredible and I'm sure everyone has learned so much. I know I certainly have and it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And as I said, you're doing a great thing. I think this podcast is absolutely invaluable and I think that even when I graduated a few years ago, a lot of people could have used it. So I can only imagine how many people, how many nutrition students um, can yeah, can, can use all of the wisdom from all of your guests that come on this show. So thank you so much for involving me as well. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everything you just said. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality. Thank you.